You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight it's giant robots versus giant monsters as we talk about Pacific Rim Uprising. You, no trouble. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Paul Williams. What's happening? So here we are tonight talking about the Garamel del Tiro-less sequel here, Pacific Rim Uprising. Don't really know why it's called Uprising. I was trying to think about that after I left the theater. I was like, why Why was that called Uprising again? I guess the, yeah. the aliens are, are uprising. I don't know. I don't know. Is it Pinnacoats Uprising? Or Pinnacost. Or Pentecost, yeah. Pentecost uprising, or, or is it the the children's uprising? Who knows, man. I seriously doubt this movie knows. But um, let's give the audience here a little bit of um, our opinions of the first movie, Pacific Rim, and then um, we're gonna we're gonna keep things spoiler free here for the first part of the 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 show. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, I think I think you're gonna be okay to listen to this. But again, if you want nothing to know nothing. Just go see the movie, enjoy it, and then come back and listen. But that being said, Paul, uh, what, what did you what did you think of this movie? What did you what do you think of the first movie? I really enjoyed Pacific Rim. Guillermo del Toro, fantastic job. I love this movie's. Not only the fact is it giant robots fighting giant monsters, but the aesthetic choice to use lots and lots of dark scenes, but then illuminate them with these bright neon filled lights and I, I like the dirtiness and I like the grittiness of Pacific Rim I don't feel like Uprising falls along the same lines of that that visual aesthetic overall it's not horrible there are elements that I did enjoy but I just I felt like it sorely it sorely lacked the visuals and that that grittiness and that struggle that the first movie really put across and portrayed. And plus, being the fact that this movie happens ten years after. Yeah, it's ten years later. And this is like, really? You mean that this much shit got repaired in ten years? Well, well no, not only that, but but society has almost completely rebuilt itself in a decade's time. 
No, nah, well, I mean, I don't know. I I didn't have a problem with any of that. I mean, I thought the the world building that was done in the movie, although it is limited, um, what little bit they do, I was kind of okay with that. You know. Yeah, but like I said, don't you think it, that kind of takes away? No, once I mean, again, this movie visually, this movie visually is very bright and appealing. From the first film to the new one, it's a very different vision. Like the the visuals are extremely different. Like I. I, I don't know if I've seen a sequel veer quite this much since maybe like, you know, like Batman Returns and Batman Forever. Like those are, yeah. they're both dark, but they're visually, they're very different films. Like even the way they're shot and th- this is kind of like that. I mean, it's it's more subtle. And oh, I, it's, it's, it's like night and day, visually different, literally. And what you were talking about, like with the neon stuff, like that's, dude, I love the first Pacific Rim. Like that is... One of, my, one of my favorite monster movies. It's just so well done. I don't think you can do a better giant monster film than that. I mean, it, it's and I mean, really good. Even in Pacific, well, even in Pacific Rim, you get this, like, the sense of dread the entire movie. But I really don't feel like any of that is even there at all in Uprising. Yeah, I, well, I really, what do you mean by the dread? I really don't feel like that. When I say that dread of, like, the first time going through and watching Pacific Rim is that dread of, well, when are they going to be attacked again? You know, when are they, when are they going to be, like, attacked? And they're already down to, like, no Jaegers hardly. Oh, you turn, like, in terms of, like, them raising the stakes? Uh, yes, yeah. Well, I feel like they do that in, well, they try to do it in this movie. There's not a lot of monsters in this movie? No. That's the thing. And without going into spoilers... How they get around that is kind of interesting and cool, but at the same time, dude, I, I, I totally want to see like the monsters. The idea. I, I enjoy the idea that they were kind of going across with it, but it was poorly, poorly, poorly executed. Well, they do this like Jaeger versus Jaeger battle, and and that takes up I would say a majority of the the fight scenes in the beginning of the movie. I just I guess I have a problem with the physics and just like what the filmmaker chooses to to show like del toro and the first pacific rim like you really felt the physics of the robots yeah they're, you made them somewhat clumsy they're they're well, no not in terms of them being clumsy no not 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 in terms of clumsy but like like during a fight he would go in and like you would see a close-up of like a spring getting like put back in place or like some mechanical piece would move and like absorb weight and the weight would shift and you would see the metal like absorb it, you know. Yeah, yeah. There was physics there, and even like the rocket elbow in the first Pacific Rim when Gypsy Danger like pulls the arm back and then starts going forward, like the rocket has to take off and propel the arm forward. The movement is slowed down, and when it the punch connects, you really feel the force. And in this movie, like the the Jaegers are just jumping all over the place. They look like they're really lightweight and they look like they're ballerinas and size doesn't matter. I think think this movie like takes a lot from Gundam. Like it almost like is this anime kind of feel to it. Oh yeah, no, totally. Like even the design of the Jaegers in this one, they're much more like humanoid looking. Like they have necks, you know, like heads and all the, all the arms. Like I guess all the Jaegers in the first movie had arms, but you had like Cherno alpha, which looks like a, just a giant radioactive, like radioactor with like legs and arms, (laughs) you know, it looked weird. Yeah. Yeah. There was no neck. It was just, here's the body. Is that the one, is that the one that the uh, Russians were in? 
Yeah. Yeah, that, that always, I always like always thought that that was just like one of the strangest looking Jaegers. And then the one with the three bladed arms. And, and man, I, I don't, and that's the other thing too. Like the first Pacific Rim, like guys, I'm not, I'm not talking like story even. I'm just talking about in terms of like enjoying a movie about giant robots versus giant monsters. Like the battles are not that cool. There's not a scene where like, like in the first Pacific Rim, Gypsy Danger is coming to meet that one monster in Hong Kong and it's dragging a giant ship. And it picks dude, it up like a baseball gonna, bat. Was, dude, I was just getting ready to bring that up. Like, it's amazing. 30 seconds ago. Dude, that is like one of my favorite scenes of that entire movie. When when Gypsy Danger picks up that big ass, I don't know, was it like a cruise liner or a battleship or something? It's like some kind of tanker. The, yeah, he slaps the a piss out of that kaiju with it, man. I mean, he just slaps the shit out of it. Oh, it's a great moment, dude. And there is not a single moment like that in this movie. Or even like there's the there, there's another scene in in the Hong Kong uh, bit where Gypsy Danger picks up some rail cars and just takes yeah. them and bashes them in to this monster's face. And there's nothing like that. And that the sword and, moment, like in the first specific mm-hmm. room when it cuts the one in half, like everybody else always like, oh, why did Guillermo del Toro have him like wait forever to bust the sword at? out well you know why he had him wait because it was cool when he finally got to see the sword sword. yeah it was amazing it was an amazing scene (laughs) you're like oh gypsy danger what are you gonna do oh you're gonna cut this thing in half with the sword that is incredible yeah i mean that that really was awesome and then and and then uprising they kind of just like almost abuse it oh dude i thought all those moments were missing in this film we're not even gonna talk about the issues with the drifting in uprising (laughs) They explain, you know, in depth, like how difficult it is to become a Jaeger pilot in Pacific Rim. And I feel like Uprising, they talk about it, but they don't show it. I'm okay, I'm okay really. with that, though, because, I, I, man, I don't want to see those kids. Like, I don't want Top Gun, with, you know, mixed with Pacific Rim, like, you know, like a bunch of teenagers. Dude, I hate to I hate to bust a bubble, but that's somewhat kind of what we got. Mm, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't feel think like so. I feel like this was like a redemption slash coming of age film. Man, I, I really don't know what. I mean, seriously, dude, it is. Think about it. I don't know. I mean, okay, I guess it is, Penny, man. Penny, for Pentecost, it's a redemption film, and for the young students, it's a coming of age film. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right, Paul. But I mean. This, this movie doesn't take time to answer any of those or like really show any of that or like the characters are like, look and I don't mind the characters being paper thin. I really don't. You know, like if as long as I'm having a good time at the movies, I think an audience can look past a lot of that. You know, I mean, granted, you know, yeah. you're coming to see giant robots and giant monsters. So I think you can get by yeah. it. But the acting is bad. And it, I mean, it, it's it's really the direction, man. It, the, I don't I don't mean to give this director Stephen DeKnight. I don't mean to give him a hard time. It feels like it's made for TV, man. I mean, I don't mean to be harsh, but it does feel like it's Dude, made he for has television. Shoes to fill. I mean, you're you're making a second movie after Guillermo del Toro. I know, I mean, but on. but again, you're making a second film, so like all you have to do is give me pretty much the same things that are already been established, look wise. You know, I mean, because you're playing in somebody else's sandbox or, or world at that point, you know, 
Yeah, and yeah, you just really have true. to give us a, a, a different story and take it a different way. And you can get really creative with it. I mean, like look at what James Cameron did with Aliens. I mean, if you watch the first Alien, James Cameron did something original with that, but he still held true to what the first yeah. movie was. And this film yeah. kind of changes a tone where it gets it gets really kiddy, man. Yes, very much so. And I don't feel like the first movie you could you could sit down with your kids and watch it. And they would enjoy it. But I feel like this movie was kind of a bit more geared to a younger audience. Yeah, it definitely is. Just the the entire new cast is like a bunch of preteens and teenagers. And Uh like uh, the girl that pilots uh, Scrapper, the little mini Jaeger. Hey, I... Hey, dude, I like, thought Scrapper was 13 cool. or 14. No, I mean, it, it was cool. Like, I would say that's probably the coolest Jaeger out of... Uh, dude, no shit, right? What was it? Titan Redeemer, I think was the name of the one that Titan had like Redeemer the big... Titan Redeemer was badass. Yeah, the big ball and mace that it could like shoot I liked the I like I liked the, gar- I liked the, the one Guardian, too. That was oh, the one with the big whip. Yes, with the... Uh, yeah, I was going to say the whip from uh, Iron Man 2. The yeah. Whiplash character had yeah that's that's what it looks like and then what was the other one something Phoenix oh uh, Bracer Phoenix Bracer Phoenix that was I don't know, unremarkable I kind of like the the new Jaegers I even like the Gypsy Avenger man I thought the Gypsy Avenger looked pretty good dude no way man I miss Gypsy Avenger I mean a Gypsy Danger dude I miss the way that the head was like placed in the shoulders yeah where it works is kind of like armor but at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it always yeah. looked like he like, he was like hiding his his head a little bit and his and his armor. Yeah. He's like, hey, hey, guys, I'm not well, gonna, it, yeah, that's what I'm not it, gonna pop my head out all the way. Like, I'm a turtle. Yeah. Well, it reminded me of like you know the midi the neck guards on medieval armor. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it was, that's exactly what it reminds me. It of. was a cool design, man. It looked incredible. What was that big ass one at the very beginning? The big blue Jaeger. Oh man, <sighs> that okay. They that was. That was totally they stupid. They the name of it. It's, it's November something. I forget what it was. Yeah, something yeah. November. But that was in the title. And that was so stupid. Yeah. So in the future, I mean, I understand Pacific Rim. We're like, we built these giant robots in order to fight giant monsters that are coming from. To save humanity. To yeah, save humans. <laughs> coming from the ocean. I get it. I understand. But 10 years after we've closed the breach, no more monsters have come through. Would we really patrol the coast with giant Jaegers? I mean, like, why would we do that? And besides, wasn't Gypsy Danger the very last Jaeger? Well, it, I guess I guess we've built more. Like, I understand, like, having Jaegers, you know, like, just in case the threat the arises. Idea was, well, you know, the kaiju, the, the, the portal sealed, and the kaijus aren't coming back, but better to be safe than sorry, so we can build more Jaegers. But, I mean, why, why is the Jaeger patrolling the coastline you know or in a, in a coast town like i mean i understand that's where the monsters are, are they're going from the ocean into the land i get that like if, if you already have a warning system in place the breach is closed like what are these jaegers doing guess it's paranoia my man like is is that the police force now it's like jaegers like if you go rob a bank like the jaeger comes down and picks your car up and like puts you on top of a building and like you're screwed, you can't go anywhere now. Like I mean, what is the point of that? It, I just thought that was so stupid. I just it didn't make sense story wise. It's like that is the least cost effective thing ever. Like I don't know how what the energy requirement is to run a Jaeger, but it's 
Got to be a lot. Well, there. I mean, aren't most of the Jaegers nuclear powered? <laughs> I mean, uh, well, no. In the first well, movie, no, it was only no, Gypsy they, Danger. Yeah, they do. Because... They, yeah, Gypsy <laughs> Danger was the only nuclear reactor or nuclear powered Jaeger. Which that that scene in that part of that movie that didn't make a lot of sense either with the EMP and like and that's another thing how they the never brought that up. up. Like that never gets because they do talk considerably about the Jaegers and Uprising, but none of that shit is ever how they're powered or any of that. None of that's ever brought up. They don't even say if Gypsy Avenger is a nuclear powered Jaeger or not. No, they don't. They don't go into it. Man, it's it's really not important because it doesn't it it doesn't come into play in the story. Like they they brought yeah, it up, man, but it was in the first movie yeah, in the because, first one because that's how it, yeah, the movie ends. Yeah. So you know, yeah. you kind of need to talk about sense. it. Yeah, <laughs> the good old Chekhov's gun. You know, you gotta if you're gonna have something happen in the third act, you need to explain it in the first act so it can happen in the third. So now I will say this: there are some of the weapons on some of the Jaegers in this movie that I thought were very cool how they were how they were done, like uh, the Rogue Jaeger. Like the 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 uh, the collarbone missiles. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought that was pretty cool, dude. I mean, just like I thought it was pretty cool. And then one of its missiles that it shoots out like more than one missile, and then they come apart and then reattach and then start spinning around each other, like all three missiles before they actually hit. You know, I thought that, I thought that was really cool. Like I, I thought some of the weapon the weapons designs were cool in this film because it was like, okay, well, yeah, they, they totally beefed up the Jaegers. Like they beefed up the armaments. I mean, that one freaking Jaeger with the damn ball and chain that you were just talking about. I can't remember its freaking name right now. Titan Redeemer. Like the freaking the gun shells that this thing throws out is like the size of a Cadillac. You know, like I thought that was cool. Like I thought that was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. In this movie, no, I mean, look, okay, they're cool, man. They are, they're awesome. It's great, but it's also one of those things that, like, this is why it's Kitty. Yes, you know what I mean. It much. doesn't, it doesn't feel like I don't mind the Jaeger having like one weapon or two weapons. You know, like Gypsy Danger, you have your plasma cannon, which in this movie they changed it to like a gravity sling, which was pretty cool. I thought that was the gravity sling was awesome, and they brought the sword back, and that's cool. Oh, yeah. But, I, you know, I'm kind of done with, you know, like, I don't need, like, the whip was interesting, even if we've seen something like it before. I thought that was visually interesting. Um, not yeah, very well, practical. It looked cool. Not very practical at all. But the, the swords that the one Jaeger had, I, I thought that was stupid. Like, the way it's designed for Gypsy Danger, it just makes logical sense. Like, the sword's attached to the arm, so you don't have to worry about letting it go. But, yeah. but having a physical sword, like a little mini, like well, I guess it's not a mini; it's a giant. It would be a huge lightsaber. The big. Oh, you're talking about the the what the uh, phoenix, whatever fucking. No, it it's not phoenix. It's like uh, Athen or Athen something. I forget what it is. It's the red Jaeger in the film. Are you talking about the the orange one? Yeah, whatever. Orange, red, whatever. The bright colored. Yeah, it's got it's got the dual. What looks like you were saying, like lightsabers, the dual lightsabers. Yes, Paul, those. It doesn't make sense, and on top of it, it's just, it's kind of, it's not as cool. You know what I mean? No, it's it it's like have. you're thinking about something in terms of like a like an action figure or like yeah. a, a human as opposed to like giving it that robotic robot. design, you know? Yeah. That, that would make it cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if they would have went the route like 
um, with the Rogue Jaeger. It had the swords on both of its hands. And, like, I thought that worked. I wasn't. I was not a big fan of any of the design stuff here for this film. I thought everything was done so much better in the first movie. I'm talking about sets, um, props, uh, monsters, um, Jaegers, uh, the whole nine yards. I just feel like the first movie is better in a in a, in a more f- polished product in every shape and form. Like it's just every regard, it's a better movie. And the second one is, uh, it's a disappointment, man. Like, the script isn't so bad. I could see this movie with, like, a different director, with, like, Guillermo del Toro, somebody that's really going to put in, you know, the time and, and the passion. I can see it working. It, it's, it's like, dude, you can really see it in the cockpits. Like, you can just look at the trailer. Yeah. And you see the cockpit from the first movie when they're inside the Jaeger's brain and they have the two pilots in there and they're, they're fighting for this robot. And making the robot move in the first movie, those are so amazing. Like you just, there's sparks that are flying off. All the shots are very intricately designed. And during the fight scenes, they cut into those uh, those pilots' shots. They cut into them well. You know, it's at the yeah. right time. It's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a punch. We're gonna see a wide shot with the Jaeger's gonna start the punch. Then we're gonna go inside. We're gonna see the pilots throwing the punch, and then we're gonna come outside and we're gonna see that the Jaeger finish the punch. That's really missing in this movie, you know, not in, in, yeah. in editing and just like in, in the set design. Like even their costumes, dude, like the costumes for the Jaeger pilots in the first movie, those things had to be drilled on, dude. They were metal. Yeah. And see that, that none of that was in this one. Yeah. In this I mean, movie, they, they're wearing like black spandex and like have foam pieces on. Yeah. I'm not being I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a dick and be harsh, but that's what it looked like. Yes, that's exactly what it looked like. Like, they don't even put the ma- like the whole helmet on, like the visor part of the helmet, the whole glass faceplate. It's like holographic or something. Yeah, it's Weird like it, it has glass and then like halfway through it, like it disappears. So, of course, like later in the movie, you're, you know, you're looking at them and it's obvious that they're just wearing a, a helmet that is missing a glass faceplate. Yep. And it looks ridiculous and it looks stupid. I just oh, I just don't know what they yep. were thinking for some of this stuff, man. And there was only three characters from Pacific Rim that actually come back for Uprising. Rinko Kikuchi's back for a little bit, and they do yes. absolutely nothing with her. Nothing. If you're hoping to see something continued with her character, that that is totally not happening in this movie. Good luck with that. Hey, dude, did they use, like, did they just do one take with her? And they were like, oh, that's good enough, honey. Uh, yeah, let's move on. We, we got to make lunch. Like, dude, her performance, and she's a great actress, man. Like, every movie you see yes. her in, she's amazing. Dude, she was terrible in this movie. She, It looked like they, there was, like, somebody standing off the sides, like, getting her to read cue cards. Yes. Yes. Like, come on, man. Like, I mean, do a different, do do two or three takes, man. <laughs> Give a, like, yeah. Let her get warmed up. Well, I mean, I mean, dude, you really don't see her that much in the movie. You get two actual scenes with her and then one holographic scene. With her. Get, she's in like three or four scenes of the movie, yeah. And then you got uh, Charlie Day, who were, was Newt, or Dr. Newton from the first one. Yeah, back. Both, both the scientists returned from the first one. Yeah, the other guy, what was his name? Burn Goodman, Burn Goldman, but he, he's back. I think it's Gorman, um, yeah. I do enjoy both of their characters in this movie, but I so much enjoyed them. Way, way, way more in Pacific Rim. 
again, like they were not my problem. Like John Boyega wasn't my problem. I thought John Boyega did a great job. You know, even Scott Eastwood. I, by the way, man, don't, dude, you thought, don't ask you thought he was here. good. I didn't think he was horrible. Really? Is that Clint Eastwood's son? Dude, or what? Oh my God. What the, why would you even have to ask that? That look, his son, yeah, the I, question I mean, you should yeah, be asking kind of is obvious. that his fucking clone. Like, damn, did that guy get, <laughs> Clint Eastwood's like, that's a, that's I like, will live that's forever. Like looking at a, that's like looking at the clone of Clint Eastwood pretty much. Dude, there's some moments where he like squints and he, he I swear to God. He looks just like Clint Eastwood. Yeah, there's this <laughs> one scene that's, that's taking place where this, this helicopter drops. Down, he's kind of like squinting because the sun must be real bright. It must be like bouncing uh, up off the uh, the asphalt. And man, he looks just like his father. Man, look, I'm not gonna lie. Outside of the returning, outside of the returning cast from Pacific Rim and John Boyega, I, I thought everybody else was terrible. Man, I mean, just I don't know. I liked uh, that atrocious. that Lauren Shao girl. Oh, that played the, the CEO of uh, Shao Industries. What's her name? Jin. I, I mean, she's a Chinese Jin, actress. Jin I'm, not, Tan? I'm not familiar. I think her name is, is Jean. I think it's Jean Tan or Jean Tang or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought in the second, the the third act of the movie, that she she kind of did a good job. Oh wow, she was actually no, actually she was in uh, Kong uh, Skull Island. I did not know that. I don't know, dude. I I thought most of the performances were pretty weak, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, it's not like the movie gave him really that much to do. After everybody gave so much crap to Charlie Hunnam for the first movie, I, I, I feel like we should everybody should just say, like, sorry. Like, whoops, our bad. You did fine, buddy. Like, Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> like, oh, my God, I don't know how you could ever criticize Charlie Hunnam and you get... Although there's nobody as good as, like, Idris Elba in the first movie. Like, the, the first movie had a way better cast, I feel like. Um, but, Dude, I feel like... I, there aren't any really real complaints that I have from Pacific Rim. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah, not not much here either. The ones that I do have are so anal that <laughs> it's like it's almost just me, you know, overanalyzing the movie way too much. All right, dude. Well, uh, man, I, th- I think we're at a stopping point here. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we play the trailer? We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna get into a complete spoiler-filled discussion for Pacific Rim Uprising. We'll be back. You have been warned. Chance to make a difference. Now let's get it done. That's what I'm talking about. 
and they could wipe out all life. There's something you need to see. We're back. That was the trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, <laughs> and guys, I again, like, I, I don't want it to, to sound like we're just ripping this movie apart. And we're, you know, like, again, I, I had a lot of fun with the first movie. A lot of fun with the first film. This movie, I don't know. You got, you got spoiled with the first film. <laughs> and again, spoiler warnings, speaking of being spoiled. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting into it now, guys. Paul, let's talk about the the beginning scene in, in the film. They establish that it's it's ten years later. We were introduced to John Boyega, who plays Pentecost's son, Idris Elba's character yes. from the first movie. Yes, and I do not like this beginning personally myself. I don't what? like this really? quick cut. Yeah, I don't like this quick cut. Like the part where they're you know discussing the events of the first film. And they're showing, like, the remnants of the kaiju skeletons and shit like that. I like that. Last time on Pacific zoomed, Rim. Yeah, yeah. That, see, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was getting ready to get to. Like, when he zooms down on John Boyega's character in the pool, you get this, like, it's just, like, I, I kind of lose it at that point. It's kind of like there's some there are some cheesy-ass moments, dude, when he's, you know, going through the Jaeger. But basically, they explain that, the Jaeger parts are like worth a lot of money on the black market. So basically, that's what his character does. He runs in old abandoned Jaegers and doubles crosses people to basically screw them over for money. <laughs> so he's nothing like his father at all. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been kicked out of the program, and I, man, I I don't I don't know. I actually like this man. I like it that he's having to struggle in these coastal cities that have been completely decimated by these previous kaiju attacks like 10 years ago some of them have been some of the cities have been rebuilt but some of the the cities along the the coastline are just they're so destroyed they're they're, they're just these crime havens like there's no police it looks like there's no law and order i i kind of like that i thought that was neat i wish more of the movie did this kind of world building where it, it explored you know these i don't know it was cool seeing that after the first movie like there are some repercussions and now that society's starting to get back on track and rebuild, you know, there's there's still some pockets that are struggling. Like like they even make jokes where like he's trading people for like uh for cereal and like and Oreos. Like he's give somebody like a stolen car for like a pack of Oreos or something. I th- I thought that stuff yeah. was cute, man. I, I I don't know. I liked it. I wish the movie had more of this kind of flair in the beginning. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I didn't really care for that. <laughs> I just, I was just like, this is just, this shit is like, I understand that this done this character building, but I, I just. I see, I started getting worried the minute they, so he's he's looking for that one part to, to sell to somebody and this kid yeah. steals it and they, they 
built that little like mini Jaeger scrapper. And, and man, dude, I, again, like I know we talked about it before, but that that's when like scrappers like running from the cops because they broke into this place to steal the part. And it's just kind of a silly, I don't know. It just doesn't fit in the world of Pacific Rim. Like I just don't no, understand. It, it feels too, feels too star Warsy. You know, okay, I, I I'm, I'm with you on that. It does. It's just like I don't know why there's this giant Jaeger patrolling this broken down, decimated, like Mad Max coastal town. Like, why is that Jaeger there? You know, like you said, unless the the Jaegers have come to being like the police, because it's illegal to build and possess a Jaeger without being a Jaeger pilot. Yeah, yeah, they they actually have a term like, oh, it's a it's a rogue Jaeger. Like this has happened rogue before. <laughs> yeah. Why do you have a, a term for it? <laughs> oh no, it's just this is another idiot rogue Jaeger. You know, it's <laughs> like this never happens. Well, what about this one time? Oh man, it's <laughs> I don't know. I do like the scenes with Scrapper, man. Like I do like those action scenes with Scrapper. I think that's they're really cool, even though it does have like this. T- total fucking star wars this kind of feel to it i i do like this little scene and i kind of think scrapper is like one of the better parts of this movie yeah you know, i was complaining earlier about the jaegers but this this one has probably one of the the better designs and i like how it it gets in that little ball and moves around like yeah. like a robotic critter yeah <laughs> you know how the critters like turned into little fluff balls and they would bounce yep. around and that's that's kind of what this robot does and at least it's interesting <laughs> in something different or the droid from force awakens well <laughs> <laughs> yeah well dude look i'll take it man i i will but i mean at least this jaeger has something interesting about it you know visually to look at and it has something that's kind of cool about it versus the yeah, ones that yeah, just look like tall people with you know some guns in their hands yeah, I mean, don't be wrong, dude. Yeah, like I said, dude, you know, Scrapper's, Scrapper's probably one of the highlights of the movie. And then there's a, a bet with a, a rogue Jaeger that just shows up and starts creating chaos and anarchy, I guess, for no real reason other than... Dude, just I like that fight scene. Even though it is, like, way over the top and way anime-looking, I, I enjoy that Sydney fight scene. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's probably the best... It's probably the best fight scene in the film, actually. And this is, of course, after Pinnacle's character and the girl, which I can't seem to remember her name right now. The scrapper pilot. I forget what her name yeah. is, too, because the, she sucks. Yeah, the scrapper chick. Like, they, they're, they're basically given the option to either go to jail or go back to the Jaeger Academy. Then, you know, the story kind of goes into... John Boyega's character and Scott Eastwood's character. And you find out that they were once Jaeger pilots together and you get a little bit of backstory on that. Dude, you know, what's um, really sad about their relationship and hmm. they have this and it's not played out at all. It, they do it in like three scenes. They maybe give it like three to four minutes of screen time at the max. But there's, um, there's a lady there I guess she's like some kind of like uh, engineer or something, and she works on the Jaegers, and she kind of has a romantic past with both, you know, Scott Eastwood and John Boyega. But dude, they don't do anything with that, and both these guys are like, you know, they're they're drifting together to control these Jaegers, so they sh- they can, you know, they know each other's memories, they share their memories together. There's so many interesting, cool things you could do with that relationship, and they they do nothing with it. Nothing. 
I mean, Zero. you could put these guys that are at like real odds, you know, like fighting over a woman or, or any, you know, you know what I mean? Like you could do a lot of interesting things. They don't do any of that. They're like, we don't care. No. Moving on. I mean, not only that, but the only the only thing you hear about Channing Tatum's character in this movie at all is he's mentioned twice by name. Channing Tatum, and that from the first film. Yo, Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> I mean, Charlie Hunnam. Damn it! Damn, those guys look a lot alike. What? Don't you go disrespecting my freaking right, Charlie anyway, Hunnam like Charlie. that? Channing Tatum looks like a freaking. All right, let me let me read this. It's like almost in in kind of like passing like he's like he's dead or something yeah they don't really say what happened to uh to raleigh from the first and it's like i could have dealt with the the brief conversations that marco and pinnacle had together like the conversations like why couldn't that have been brought up why couldn't she give a brief explanation of what happened to his character because like that kind of bugged me the entire movie and he was the main freaking character. Him and Marco were the main characters from the first movie. See, like, I that didn't bother me once. What did bother me is that, like, wait, Pentecost had a son? Like, wait, where is this coming from? Like, Yeah, and he was never mentioned in the first film? Yeah, like, the only thing they mentioned is, like, oh, yeah, you know, here's Mako Mori, my stepdaughter. Or, like, I guess it's a, his adopted daughter. But, I mean, like, whatever. Like, they don't mention John Boyega's character at all in the first movie. He's just, like, literally, like, thrown in this movie, and they're like, yeah. You remember this guy, right? What? Yeah. No. What? Who, who is this dude? I yep. don't know. It, you know, it's just, I don't know. That's just sequel stuff. As soon as you find out about the droid Jaegers, that almost gives part of the plot away. What do you mean? Like when you find out the Shao, the Shao company is, is trying to push to build all these droid Jaegers. I was just like, well, yeah, here's your plot of the movie. Something's going to go wrong with these droids. And then they're going to turn around and the Jaegers are going to have to basically fend off humans from these droid Jaegers. Well, they're, no, they're called drone Jaegers because they don't have a – there's no pilot that's actually needed in these uh, Jaegers. Uh, so there's this company, Shao Industries, and you know that, that's, that's how they're trying to pitch these new Jaeger pilots. It's like, look, your pilot is you know back here at the facility controlling it remotely – it's all good. It turns out that Newt, the doctor from the first movie that, you know, drifted with the kaiju brain or the secondary brain in the first movie has put the the kaiju secondary brain inside these Jaegers to control them. And it's like the entire 10 years, I'm assuming, was like drifting with this kaiju brain that he had in his apartment. Oh, that was pretty funny. I did like that. So, yeah. <laughs> played that by was, that was a good like kind of a throwback to the to Pacific Rim, though. I, I don't know if that was the same brain from Pacific Rim, but Charlie Day, he, Charlie Day's character's got this secondary kaiju brain like floating in a jar, and <laughs> he comes home and he's and like, it, "Hey, baby," and he, he yeah. sits there and drifts with it. <laughs> it's it, it's like, it's why are you being weird. so quiet? Did you have a rough day today or something? <laughs> Shit he, like that. He's got like Alice written on the glass with like a little heart yeah and it's like written in like lipstick or something like it, it it's it, that's a pretty cute scene i actually got a chuckle out of that yeah i thought that was kind of funny that, you know that was good um, but i don't know about him being the bad guy i like the idea of putting the kaiju brain inside the jaeger yeah i, I like that idea i think I that's really a cool like idea it. and i like that design 
like when all the Jaeger, when all the droid Jaeger started attacking, like I kind of liked the that hybrid kaiju Jaeger look. I thought that was really kind of cool looking. That and didn't make a lot of sense to me it. though, because they were really inconsistent with that man. Because in Siberia, when they take that one in the at the end of the Siberia battle, they they destroy you know, the, the rogue Jaeger and then they rip, you know, the face off to see who the pilot is. And that's when they figure out it's a Kaiju brain. That looks like a regular uh, Jaeger. But later in the movie, when all of the other drone Jaegers come online and the Kaiju brains activate them, they actually start to have like Kaiju properties and appearance traits. Like they'll get like spines in their back or, or and their hands will grow like little tentacle pieces and they're, they'll actually have a, a mouth or a, a mandible or some kind of jaw that'll drop out. And I, I don't know. I thought that was weird and inconsistent. I didn't. The first viewing, I was like, oh, wait. So what was the first thing? Because that looked just like yeah. a Jaeger. Like I didn't. I was having a hard time. The first first watch, like, well, how are those different? And the movie really just doesn't. It doesn't explain it. Yeah, one thing that really pissed me off about this movie was they killed Mako in the first fucking 30 minutes. That pissed me off. Dude, I'm with you, man. I was sitting in the theater, and I was like, no fucking way. Are they really doing this? Like, I don't even know why they brought her back. Dude, wouldn't the logical thing be to bring her back to play fucking Pentecote's character? Oh, I mean, that's what they did. And I understand, like, why they killed her off to get... But no, that other Asian dude, the other... Asian guy was basically Pentecost in this one. Well, he also gets his ass killed too. Well, okay. To be fair, in the first movie, it's like the apocalypse, and the military and the Jaeger program have split at that point. And yeah. in this movie, they—I forget what they call it—but it's like the Pacific Trans United Jaeger, or it's got some kind of like long name. Their Jaeger program. Yeah. And like she is, I guess, the general of it. But she even says, like, they have to, you know, an- answer to, like, a committee of representatives. Like, it's it's not, like, it's, the, the countries don't separately own this. There's some kind of, like, world panel, and she's the head of it. Um, yeah. And, they, and they, they try to give her death some kind of meeting for John Boyega. Like, they try to make it, like, her death be the moment where he's, he's like, okay, I can do this. I can join the Jaeger program, and I can actually this be a moment of redemption. Well, I don't know if it's a moment of it's like redemption because he's not really redeeming himself. He's just like trying to prove himself and prove his worth, you know, because his dad's the one who actually kicked him out. He tells you that later in the movie. Yeah, you do find out his dad was the one who kicked him out of the Jaeger program. I I don't know, man. I really just didn't like anything they 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 brought her back for. Like they even try to give her like this transmission or like like she has a piece of a map, but you don't know why or or how she got it or where it came from. The two times I watched it, I didn't get that. I just know she's trying to transmit a map, and it's like, well, you don't even know it's a map at that point. She's well, no, they, they do say that, that, yeah, they do say that she was trying to transmit some data to them, but the only thing that they could actually decipher was the one piece of the location in Siberia. Yeah, but it's like, where did that come from? Where did she get it? Why was she looking into it? Like, none of that is answered in this in the movie. No, none of it is. I mean, I guess they're just, I guess you're just left up to assume that she thought Newt was, she thought Newt was up to no good. And she kind of started investigating him or, or Shao. Because at, at first, it almost gives you the idea that Shao industry is up to no good. Yeah, and I, I thought I did think that was a nice that was a, that was a nice surprise because I did not see you know Charlie Day's new character actually being the bad guy, becoming the bad. 
guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I Which, don't know if how I like how they pulled it off, but I do like the idea. I that, don't. I, I like the idea of him like drifting with the kaiju brain and and his mind getting in, infected with the aliens and what do they call? I they do, call them the precogs I, or something like that in this movie or the. Um, something like that. It wasn't the precogs. That's Minority Report. <laughs> it was something along those lines. The Celestials. No, it wasn't the Celestials. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. That's there was something the, with a C. That's from another comic. No, it began with a P. I'm, 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 anyway. Yeah, I, I forget I forget what they named the aliens, but they gave the aliens some kind of name in the in this film. I like yeah, that. anyway, so... Yeah, somehow it managed to... It manages to basically infect his brain and take control of of newt's character and once again i'm with you i like the idea of newt putting the kaiju parts in the drone jaegers you know by him drifting with the kaiju brain that it's done adversely affected his brain and and i like charlie day as an actor and he does a phenomenal job in the first pacific rim movie but i feel like that there was not enough extremeness to decipher who was really Charlie Day and who was the kaiju. Oh, no, man. I think they did a good job. They they gave him an, uh, uh, an evil monster voice for when he was... Oh, they what, they modded his voice twice in the movie? Yeah, that sounds fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, whatever. He, he's got his bad guy voice. I mean, I, I knew when they were speaking, but I guess the problem I had with it was because Charlie Day's character is... He's so goofy. Exactly. You know, and then when he goes to be evil, he's not threatening at all. Even when he's, no. even when he has his messed up voice, he still comes across as goofy. And see, if he would have actually came across as threatening, that would have been impactful. A lot of the things in the script, like talking about them, they don't sound that bad, but they're just really poorly executed in the movie. And I think Charlie Day's oh, yeah, character no. is just another example of that. Like, I don't mind, like story wise, like him flipping and being the bad guy and how, how, everything is written it makes sense you know there's not yeah. there's not there's not plot holes or anything like that involved it it's not bad writing it's just no. how it's done in the film how it's directed it it's kind of shitty i mean i don't and mean I to mean, be that guy but it it, it is it's kind of it's, hey, it's it bad. is shitty i really feel like this whole movie for saying that it's it's two hours long i feel like it's rushed oh it's way rushed man i mean like the coolest part of the film to me i thought the I got really excited when the the kaiju's started infecting the Jaegers. You know, uh, yeah, I got excited about that, and I thought it was so lame. Dude, those dude. were so cool. Like, I thought that shit was lame. Awesome. Well, dude, I thought it was lame as fuck, man. When you got the damn kaiju Jaeger hybrids trying to reopen the portal to bring more kaiju's in, like I. I know that that goes to further the plot of the movie, but I kind of thought that was weak, dude. Oh, no, man. I loved that, dude. I thought that was great. My problem with it is that it was, like, solved by, like, somebody hitting a button on a computer. Okay. Well, okay, you're it, right. It's, maybe it's that, not maybe interesting. Maybe that's where my issue lies. It's, like, it's the maybe best scene really in the movie where it's, like, you got your bad guys, and it's, like, oh, look at this. We have kaiju-infected Jaegers. This is amazing. They're, like, half half of everything. Oh, this is cool. We're, let's see some yeah, awesome fight awesome scenes. And they just press a button and they're like, Oh, problem solved. They just got offline. So we, we, we killed yeah, them. I, mean, I have a serious problem with that because that could have been the rest of your movie right there. That's dude. not cinematic. Fuck that. It's that's boring as shit. Like 
This is a $150 million dollar movie, and that's the idea you thought of was like, I'm going to press a button and kill all the fucking bad guys? Oh, like I said, man, exactly. That could have been the entire plot of the movie. Oh, no, that's dude, that's what I thought the movie was, was going. That, me too, and it did not. The minute the hi- the hybrids happen in the film, and they start opening all the portal, from there on out, this movie just just... It it goes off the rails and into like just really terrible territory for me. Like horrible fucking montages. Oh my god! Yeah, like afterwards, like when they're trying to repair the Jaegers after all the the kaiju Jaeger hybrids destroy their base, the Shatter Dome gets completely destroyed, and they're they're piecing together their Jaegers. And yeah, that there's a fucking montage, and dude, that is that is one of the worst montages ever. Like just the filmmaking there is so shit. And they do that slow, then quick camera movement bullshit. Oh, yeah. It's, it's it, for more of a dramatic effect. Yeah, like the camera will like, hover over like somebody walking down a corridor, and then it's like, ooh, zoom in and out over here in the Shatter's Dome. And it's like somebody's welding something. And it's it literally, it's like a montage of people doing the most boring shit ever. Conversations that you can't even hear. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, it's like a fucking montage. Like, we can't hear what you fuck you're saying, bro. <laughs> All we're hearing is this shitty fucking dub vert, fucking dubstep remix of the fucking Pacific Rim theme from the first film that was awesome. No shit. And then they take a bunch of ragtag pilots who aren't even, who, I don't, as far as I know, none of them have actually been in Jaegers. I know, yeah, they've just done that simulator. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they just jump in these fucking big-ass Jaegers and start whipping ass. Okay, like, that's what this movie needed more of. Like, those Guillermo del Toro touches were, like, doing their testing, and they're they're in their simulations to see if they can, you know, are okay to be drift-compatible with another human being, and if they can, you know, be in the drift. They have, like, a little uh, brain in a jar, and they call her, like, Sarah, and she's, like, plugged in or... (laughs) And it, it's like you drift with this freaking brain that somebody obviously donated their body to science, and here it is. It's a, yeah, it's a apparently like testing this, brain. Uh, yeah, apparently, like, whoever, I'm assuming <laughs> this chick's name was Sarah, we're going to go with that. Or, or something, I forget what like, her name was. This chick must have been, like, the biggest drift whore ever. Anybody can drift with this chick. It's just like Idris Elba's character in the first movie. I bring nothing with me into the drift. I can drift with anyone. Oh, what? You can? Yes. Yeah. I can drift with anyone. Yeah. That is a thing, too. Like, they throw out the whole drift compatibility. That that shit's, like, gone in this fucking movie. They don't- no, no kidding. They make it look in this movie... The drift is like something that is it's not even it's not even really that you have to put forth this super amount of effort. Can you think? All right, cool. You can drift. Let's go. Do you have brain function? Uh, (laughs) Okay, let's drift. And it's like, yeah, I have a problem with that. Now, okay, one thing that I did, I kind of thought was cool. These three kaijus that actually do make it through these breaches that are created. Man, Dude, hold somehow, on. I do like that well, that fourth one that gets out and he gets like cut off. <laughs> like yeah, he gets cut in half. Yeah, the, like the yeah. Bre- the breach stops when he's like halfway out and he's like, oh, oh no, <laughs> that was great. I think I can make it. I think I can. Oh no, because they they that was like the best animation in the entire film because they actually gave the kaiju like a like a death realization in his face where he's like, oh no, I'm fucked. Yeah, yeah, and then you see like his body kind of flipped to where you can see like inside of his torso <laughs> under the water. That really yeah, that the was, best was... part of the animation, like everything else. Eh, I don't know about, but that, that was, that was pretty well done. 
Yeah, that was cool as shit. But then for some weird reason, they find out that because of some experiments with some thruster boost and adding raw rare earth elements with kaiju blood it's some kind of super fucking fuel it's a super rocket brother so yeah you just get rare earth elements even, mix it up with some kaiju blood and it's instantaneous explosion and that's not even really that relevant it's super boring dude it's super weak sauce yeah. I, it cut, you could cut, yeah. cut this crap out of the movie the only reason it's here right before you get your you know your final big battle is because unfortunately that's how they fucking kill the end, the 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 big bad monster at the end of the movie. But that big bad monster at the end of that movie is fucking big and badass. Oh dude, I did not like I okay, I already said I don't like the Jaeger design. I hated the kaiju designs in this movie even more. Um All right. did I not will like say them. when it was just the three kaijus, didn't really care for their design. But when the like the little nano kaijus that new releases like when they when they jump on them and they cause it to that was goddamn become like voltron no, that, was, dude, that was out of nowhere like what the hell was that like okay like, i mean only that it wasn't like the jaegers were exactly like whipping the kaijus asses well i mean like i understood like, you know what i mean the, the kaijus were were definitely getting beat down they were definitely losing at that point yeah i mean you know it, i mean the Jaegers, that one that could cover its face well i mean that one was holding it it, it was just weird because like newt in the the film like i understand like how he can infiltrate the infiltrate the shao industries and sneak these kaiju brains that he's been growing on earth and and cloning here on earth like i i get how he could like sneak those into like a back piece and you know like i I gotta build the power cell myself and he like he's he's sneaks in a kaiju brain i can i can get it i can get behind it it makes sense i don't know about I don't. What were there? Like fifty thousand, like mini kaiju mechanical dog things. Oh, yeah, they, what, they were, what were they? I don't I even know. They were like kaiju kaiju nanobots. Well, you don't. I mean, well, you know, they're at least about at least they're at least half the size of a car. They're the size of a. There's the size of a Volvo. Yeah, I mean, you know, because you see them on the road. Um, yeah. You don't know what they are. You don't know what their purpose is. And he doesn't even say. He just kind of like clicks on his little his little notebook. <laughs> yeah, he hits a button like, on his iPad. Oh, how do you how do you like this? And then just like makes him move around. And it's just like okay. Well, I mean, I no, I, I, I thought it was cool. Like when they were taking. There's one really cool shot in that sec in, in that section where they they rip off the little nanobot things. I guess whatever they are, little dog kaiju creatures rip off one of the kaiju's arms and actually move it up into a different spot. Like, I thought that was cool. Like how they actually like meld the pieces together. Yeah. That was neat. I also got to throw this out there. And I, I know you said that you really hadn't, didn't really notice it, but uh, when they're in Japan, in the final battle scene, they do pay a bit of homage to Gundam because they, they showed the giant Gundam, statue that they have in japan so i was like hey that's pretty cool you know you show a little love to gundam pacific rim is like combining godzilla ultraman and gundam together yeah i like how the in battle takes place in tokyo that's a nice little mod and and i like 
I like the nod where they have uh, Mount Fuji in the background. You know, like destroy all yes. monsters if you're a Godzilla fan. And yes, 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 I did definitely know that. <laughs> that's that. That's a nice. It's it's cool seeing Mount Fuji in the background. It is definitely going to give that you kaiju, some callbacks. I also think that kaiju in the end, the mega kaiju, thought it had a little bit of a Godzilla resemblance. Just oh what? No, no. No, no, no. I'm talking about in the way in the way it kind of moved and no. the big long tail dragging it through the streets and No. I'm not saying like it was like just like Godzilla. I'm saying I could see where Godzilla and other kaiju films were a main inspiration for this monster kaiju at the end. This mega kaiju. No, I know, I man. I don't. I don't feel like this major mega kai. I don't feel like the kaiju's the kaiju in this movie have any inspiration, really, from any Japanese monster. I mean, well, I mean, like to, I said, to be honest, I, like, I, ones, I don't yeah. like. I don't like how any of these monsters are designed, dude. I'm not a fan of these. I, I guess I can see a little, like the one that, that that's face kind of opens up. And the star pattern, I can kind of see that. And when and that one having a couple, you know, resemblances to a couple monsters that Ultraman f- like fought back in the day. But yeah, outside of that, dude, I'm not really seeing it. I mean, again, that's one of the things I really miss. Like the whole, even though it's CGI and the first Pacific Rim, you got that feel of like a man in a suit, like the way they moved. And yeah, that's true. That works that's for true. me. And that is completely lost in this sequel. Well, I mean, I guess the reason why, another reason why I feel like it's a bit reminiscent of a Godzilla film is because of the nod to the Godzilla film. And then plus the, the main showdown takes place in Tokyo. You know, yeah, but I don't. I don't. Godzilla, think, you know. I don't think that monster looks like anything. I don't know, man. I just, I, so, I, I, and I, dude, I'd be honest with you. I thought this in fight scene was boring, dude. I was in the IMAX first the, show, and I almost fell asleep. And then they try to, they try to give you this moment of suspense where the one girl, your main character, uh, scrapper chick, she ejects out of the Jaeger, but then you get this moment of like. Oh no, what happened to the other two Jaeger pilots? And it's like, you don't even give enough time for that moment to be like, oh shit, well, what happened to them? And all of a sudden they're just running around the building like all chipper and cheery. And Scott Eastwood, yeah. Scott Eastwood ends up knocking out Charlie Day's character. Just with ease and a, last, a, a well. huge ass rib laceration. With a huge, huge lib, rib laceration. I mean, it, it makes sense, dude. It's Scott Eastwood punching Charlie Day. I mean,. To me, I feel yeah. like Scott Eastwood could probably blow on him, moment. and he would he'd fall over. <laughs> Charlie, dude, oh no! Yeah, that's true. And they do even they have a little post credit st- stinger where, like, you know, John Boyega kind of confronts Charlie Day's character, and Charlie Day's like, "Hey, man, we're coming back, and we're gonna destroy this world." And John John Boyega's like, "That's okay. You tell him we're coming for them next time." We're coming for them this time. That's you know, gonna be Pacific think Rim it's 3. Fucked, dude. It's totally fucked. They pretty much pulled the same bullshit on this movie that pretty much happened in Pacific Rim. You use the goddamn Jaeger as a massive weapon. Okay, the first movie, they used to make Jaeger because it was a nuclear reactor to destroy the breach. Yeah. Fucking movie works. Yeah, I mean, I, but this movie, I, that's pretty you obvious. You use this Jaeger yeah. and you fucking strap a missile to his hand to drive it into the upper atmosphere 
to bring it back down and use it as a big wrecking ball to kill this massive fucking kaiju. That's fucking weak to me, man. Well, you That's know, really weak. You know what's weak? is like they didn't even bust the... Like, I know the sword got broken off in the battle earlier, but it would have been awesome if you came down like with the sword. With the sword? Ow. I mean, like, damn, right? dude, do something. Right? It was... No, dude, I'm... It's, Knuckles, baby. It's we totally weak. Ultraman. And, we got Ultraman Knuckles all the way. What, what I didn't like... Uh, <laughs> what, man? Come on, dude. Ultraman has, like, that badass no, 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 movie saying, fucking I'm does saying, with like, his arm. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that whole thing when it shows, like, the Knuckles on Gypsy Avenger getting rid and shit, I'm like, yeah. Well, it's coming back on, down man. into the atmosphere, you know? Well, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, come on, man. You could end this movie better than this. You could have come up with something a little bit better. I, I have a problem with that. I guess the reason why is because I think it's kind of reminiscent of Ultraman. You know, because Ultraman used to fly with his fist out, kind of like in that Superman pose. The way it, the way Gypsy Danger is coming down onto the kaiju. I like that idea. I don't dislike that idea at all. But the thing is, I think that's what they tried to go for, but it was poorly executed. <laughs> Plus, not only that, but I think it's kind of a crap way to destroy this mega kaiju. Oh, dude, the, the whole end sucks, bro. The whole end sucks. I'm not going to... Fuck the end yes. of this movie, dude. Seriously. It just... Yes. It, it pissed me off. And I didn't like that they... Re- the fucking nuts. Yeah, well, they retconned the end, too. And I had a problem with that. Like, the first movie... Like, the, the aliens were coming here to you know, terraform the earth to make it match like they're close to their environment so they could, you know, come in and take over. Yeah. Makes sense. In this movie, Destroy it's like the they just want to like throw a monster into Mount Fuji, which will cause a catastrophic, you know, world ending event because again, you know, there's a bunch of Dude, rare is- earth metals in Mount Fuji and the that kaiju's blood and they jump in. It's going to cause this big thing. I just thought that was stupid. And it's going to cause the plates to crack around the ring of fire which is gonna spew gas and basically smother out the whole planet man fuck that why didn't you just go with the idea of newt's newt's now the bad guy newt now has control of shell industries newt has now made kaiju jaeger hybrids and now newt is trying to take over the fucking world and then basically do the same thing that the kaijus tried to do in the first film uh, well, simple. i mean paul they they did do all of that that you just said with the exception of like the reason they changed but make it the entire movie but paul they did like, i liked all that like, Every, really everything you just said that. they did except for like so your only problem is that how they were they planning the to destroy the, the world this movie if the movie would have gone with the kaiju jaeger hybrids and made that the main focus and main story of the movie instead of being able to click one button and shut them all down, then switching gears and going a different route with the movie. It could have been a really good movie. No, I'm, I'm with you on yeah. that. I didn't, I didn't like the monster. I mean, the problem is, is that, dude, there wasn't a lot of kaiju in this film, though. No, there was, like, no fucking kaijus. There was, what, four kaijus in the entire movie? Yeah, there's the three at the end. And then there's one then in the one that gets cut in half. The one that gets cut in half. Oh, well, okay. There, Yeah, okay. So there's five. Five. Wow. And, okay, the flashback part <laughs> I did like that shows, like, the girl that created Scrapper. They showed her, like, how her parents died. Yeah, I did enjoy that. 
Uh, and the second time I watched this, I did catch when John Boyega's following her. He's actually at that same pier where her family dies because the pier's in the background and the, the kaiju skeleton is actually back yep. there laying on the dock. I thought that was kind of cool because it, it's got kind of a distinct, like, um, it looks like a demon, that kaiju, because it's yep. got like horns. It's very demonic looking. Yeah, um, it is. But that's probably my favorite kaiju in the entire movie, to be honest with you. Even though he looks kind of goofy, it's probably my favorite one. But, I mean, even that, yeah. dude, like, that flashback sequence, even though it's a repeat of, like, Makomori's story from the first movie, yeah. it's not done, it's not done nearly as good. Like, that first movie, you had, like, you saw, like, all the lights around her black out, and then you start to see the snow come in, or not snow, but the ash start to mm-hmm. fall down in front of her, and then you got uh, into the scene with the giant monster in the flashback, and I thought that was a cool way to do it. And in this movie, it's and just this like... just like straight boom in your face, bitch. Yeah. Not, not, no, there was no style. There was no... It's not cinematic. There was no subtlety. There was no subtlety to it. No, it's not about being subtle, man. I mean, like, I don't want this movie to be subtle. I want it to hit me over the face with a giant robot elbow. That's cool, but like you were saying, it didn't have that buildup, though. That that subtle buildup that kind of crescendos. It just doesn't. It's not cinematic. It's not pretty. It's not gorgeous. It's not what I expect from a movie that cost $150 million. Like, it's going on the big screen. This movie was way too bright and shiny for me. It is, man. I like everybody that's like, oh, man, I wish Godzilla and Pacific Rim took place during the day. Uh, watch this movie, and if you still feel that way, you and I will watch movies and think differently. I tell you that right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't totally like hate every daytime shot in this movie with the Jaegers. I do. I hate every single one. But do I think that if you wouldn't have put all the bullshit, shit to bed storyline at the end, that the other parts of this movie could have been better? Yes. No, dude. Yes. Look, I mean, you can just again when you were talking about it being rushed. Yeah, you can tell it's rushed because oh, it's totally rushed. The only only time I can really think of like a Jaeger in in the daytime in the first Pacific Rim is that that scene in Alaska where the the man is like uh, he's got the metal detector and him and the kid are, are searching for things and then the broken Gypsy Danger after it shows up yeah after yeah. like his uh, Raleigh's brother dies shows up on the beach and you look at that robot you you see its foot it, it comes down and it's this huge distance and you look up the camera goes up to the the top of the Jaeger. And you see the lights coming off of the Jaeger. It's so high up. You can see the light beams cutting through the fog. Yes. And you can see how powerful the lights are, how big they must be, and how strong it's going out throughout the fog. And you get the sense of and scale and distance that's yeah, conveyed in that when shot. Standing there, yeah, especially when they're standing there with the old man and his grandson. Like, compared to just, like, they're not even as big as the damn on this Jaeger. Well, dude, that's how you get scale and stuff is is with all those details. And this movie yeah. doesn't have that at all. It's like it doesn't matter how big the Jaegers are. You can always see them perfect in, in crystal view. And it's like, no, like as they get taller, no, there should be some distortion. There should be some clouds. And that's what makes it good. That's yeah. what makes it fit, you know, like that's what makes an image like stick into your brain. And man, dude, I saw this twice because the first time I left, I was like, man, there's not a single image that stuck with me. Not, not really like in the first film, no. I have to say, I agree with that. I don't know. Maybe when those, uh, the two Jaegers are fighting in Siberia and they fall down that crack, that was pretty. That End was of the water. Yeah, that was yeah. actually probably my favorite, like 30 second spot in the movie. That, the, the two Jaeger fights. 
in the beginning, yeah. I thought we're, we're pretty well done. Yeah, I, the one in Australia, I enjoyed. But that one in fucking Siberia, dude, that that was a bad... That's the best fight in the whole movie, in my opinion. But, I mean, I, I was expecting the fights to go somewhere and build, and they just don't. It just it doesn't. Dude, I will say, man, I thought it was cool as shit when uh, John Boyega's like, introduce yourself, you know, come out of there now. And nobody come out. And he just they like walk up to the other like the road Jaeger and like step on his chest. He's like, come out now. And no response. And he just like reaches down and rips the entire fucking face off of this road Jaeger. I thought that was that was badass, dude. I don't know. I was just like, yeah, that's cool as shit. All right, man. Uh, I think we're at the end of our discussion here. Um, so, like always, let's do final thoughts. Paul, Pacific Rim Uprising. Pacific Rim Uprising was enjoyable. Was it as a memorable and good film as the first one? No. Was it a good movie if I wanted to take one of my children who have both seen the first Pacific Rim, but if they hadn't, and I took my kids to these movie, this movie, they would probably really enjoy it. Um, thought the whole idea of the Jaeger Kaiju hybrid, thought that was great. Wish that they would have made, made that the main focus of the story instead of trying to switch gears onto Newt and making him more of the main focus. It does not visually appeal to me no way near as much as Pacific Rim did. And I even tried to go into this movie with an open mind. This is a Pacific Rim film, and I'm going to go in here and just try my damnedest to enjoy it. But I really feel like that falls short. I feel like the movie is way glamorized and super rushed. I feel like there could have been better character developments. You know, when you really do come up with a, a, a really cool and awesome idea, stick with that. Don't come up with a super cool and awesome idea and then just fucking hit a button and kill it flat. Is it a movie that I would recommend on go and see it? Sure, yeah. Check it out. Give it the old college go and watch it. But I totally got spoiled by Pacific Rim. Plus, it took five years for this movie to come out, and it's a bit disappointing for a movie five years in the waiting. All right, man. Um, and I, Look, I don't think my love for Pacific Rim properly came through. That is one of my favorite giant monster movies of all time. It's something that my child and I, my, my second son, George, man, we bonded over this movie. This, we're big Godzilla fans. We watched him, you know, as he's growing up. Seeing this in the in the theater, the first Pacific Rim, that was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing. We went 13 times. We had a blast. It made me fall in love with really big summer blockbusters that were just fun again it made me feel like a child i i haven't felt that way in a movie theater like since jurassic park i mean it really it was just so much fun pacific rim uprising is just an example of like a good director and what a director does because i don't think this sequel really i don't i the cast is a, is is a, is weaker but i think john boyega can carry this movie i think the story is is fine enough for a sequel but man the direction and the just the production design and the special effects are they're not up to par of for the first movie they're just nowhere near the the level you know it doesn't have the look it doesn't have the polish this looks like a made for tv version of pacific rim and uh i mean th- even my son was a little i mean he, he enjoyed himself a lot in the movie and 
he liked it a lot, but he, he got a little bored in the middle section of the end of this movie. Yeah, I, I can see it. It's it's not paced out as well, and the fight scenes are they're not paced out as well. And there's some editing issues in this movie. I usually always try to, to go out of my way to, to compliment the editing, at least in in some part. But man, I, I really can't on this movie. The editing's kind of atrocious. It's it's a little bit of a train wreck. I, personally, I think you could uh, you could lose some scenes here. And I would have put if they had footage, put some scene, put some footage back in some other spots, uh, recut a lot of these fight scenes. I think the the fight scenes are are poorly cut. Like where you're jumping around in time and space, I think is not well done at all. I mean, and again, you know, is it fair to compare this to the first Pacific Rim? I don't know. It, it's a sequel, so I feel like yes, it it should live up to that standard. And it's it's totally okay, but man, there's this is night and day difference. Like you really cannot compare them. I, I did not like the teeny bopper going after the little kids. Like I, I already think like children that are gonna want to watch giant robots and monsters fight, they're already gonna show up for this movie. You know, you don't need to have kids be the pilots to get kids to watch this. You're just baiting them in at that point. You know what I mean? It's like my kids didn't get any added value out of them being kids. Like, yeah, they they got excited about the the tiny Jaeger because it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a Jaeger kid pilot. And look, I was totally okay with that in the movie. You want to add Scrapper in and add that for the kid demographic? I totally get it. I understand it. And it works. Oh, yeah. Even make Scrapper Gypsy Avengers like little sidekick, you know, like throw Scrapper on his back and make him like Master Blaster. But, dude, you you lose all of this amazing stuff that you could do with the end of this movie. Um, You know, just like having adults from other countries and how those relate to other people from the world. Like, I mean, you could even had something where it's like, okay, here's the, the Russian uh, Jaeger team. Here's the United States Jaeger team. And they don't like each other because their countries are doing blah, blah, this, but they have to work together to fight, to fight Kaiju. I, I don't know. You could have done so many, like just different generic stories and training stories that what they did was just, it, it, it wasn't the end of the world. Again, it's just, it's it's how it was shot. It's how it was handled. Steven DeKnight, please get out of this franchise. Do not come back. Guillermo del Toro, please. We we need you for Pacific Rim Three, buddy. Like, if this franchise desperately, is you, like desperately, yeah. Please, this is a plea from the Movie Crew Podcast. Come back. And you know you know what else? I fucking hated the music, dude. Like. <laughs> The Pacific Rim theme, that is my fucking ringtone on my phone. Like if you, Yeah, if you call me, you hear the Pacific Rim theme. That's my, you know, like, if you send me a text message, you hear Godzilla roar. This is, this is how important this film is to me, man. And, like, this music in the, in the film, they just put, oh, God, it's just, it sounded more like Tron Legacy. That's what, it should have been like. Yeah, didn't it? It sounded like Tron Legacy. It sounded like Daft Punk did the the soundtrack. And it's like, what is up with this weird techno yeah. like electronica music? Like, where's the heavy guitar riffs and like the rock, the orchestra rock that was just the first film soundtrack? It isn't there. Dude, it was there. It's total weak sauce. I, that's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, dude. You can, I swear to God, that is a great soundtrack. I love it. That is an awesome soundtrack. I, I, I myself even. I really do enjoy the soundtrack for the first Pacific Rim movie. All right, guys. So I think that's going to do it for us tonight. You've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, and crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. 
That's right. Extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. And you guys can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at movie crew pod. Uh, also on Instagram, although we don't really post a lot there. But, uh, you know, hey, baby steps. And, uh, guys, we are also on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, if you guys could go leave us a five-star or any star review, uh, we'd surely appreciate that. You know, it takes five seconds, means the world to us. Oh, and also, um, guys, uh, you know what? If you send an email, whoever's the first one to send an email, I actually have a really cool Pacific Rim um, IMAX poster. I think it's 11 by 13. I think are the dimensions or no, that can't be right. It's got like 11, maybe 13 by eight. I don't know. I haven't gotten a ruler out to measure this thing. Uh, but it's one of those mini IMAX posters. Um, we'll be giving away one of those. So just send us an email to the movie crew, uh, at gmail.com. Yeah. Just put Pacific Rim uprising poster and, uh, make sure you put your address in that email and we'll get that out to you. Paul, where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me and follow me on Twitter at Paul R. Williams, J1. And if you like our music intro, please go over to YouTube at Aquarius Weapon and show that fellow some love. All right, guys. Uh, I really don't know what we're going to play off this soundtrack because I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm not I'm not really a big fan of this soundtrack, but just play the just play the song from the first one. That'll work. <laughs> no, man, cause we're going to cover the first movie someday and I'm saving that song. So I guess we're going to play track one off the soundtrack titled Pacific Rim Uprising. And we'll also play uh, track seven titled Sneaking In. And this is from the Pacific Rim Uprising soundtrack from Lauren Bethel. Enjoy.